Hey, welcome to Guitar Knobs, the guitars, gear, noise, and nonsense podcast hosted today by these knobs. Tony Dudzik, Pick Guardian. Jared Brandon. Brandon Wild Pickups. Hey, it's me, Todd Novak. We are super thrilled that you are listening to our show, The Guitar Knobs Podcast. What do we do on the show, Tony? We talk to builders of boutique amplifiers and guitars and pedals and parts and bits and pieces, the occasional pickup maker, the occasional pick guard maker. That's you. And, uh, you know... uh, We're the champion of the boutique builder. We are the boutique champion. Yeah. Yeah, As they would say, Le Boutique Champion. Le Boutique Champion. (laughs) (laughs) Who do we have on the line right now? Brian Nutter with Nutter Guitars in Ashland City, Tennessee. Woohoo! Awesome. Nutter Guitars. We ran into this gentleman uh, out at the Los Angeles NAM. And we, you know, we've been kind of corresponding up until this, up until that moment. But we got to lay our hands on his mighty fine guitars. So we're going to talk about. All that good stuff. Uh, Brian, we are really happy that you're with us today, like living and everything. (laughs) Um, As well as being on the podcast. Yes. (laughs) For those who are listening along, not driving, where can they find you right now? Uh, You can find me, the the website's nutterguitars.com. You can also find me under Nutter Guitars on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter as well. I'm probably the most active on uh, Instagram, though. Yes. But I try to sort of farm all the rest of that stuff out to the other social medias. Yes. Slowly waning. Yes. Yes. Uh, yes. Great. So, hey, if you get the opportunity, check out the internet while you're listening and uh, get a good gander at what he's making. They're pretty, pretty neato, neato guitars. <laughs> so. That's a good word. Yes. Uh, that, that should be a model, the neato Benito. Um, yeah, you can have that. I'll just give it to you. I was like, yeah, <laughs> no charge. No charge that. on that one. No charge. <laughs> I'm just slinging freebies all over the place. Hey, speaking of freebies, we got a couple of announcements. Uh, Tony, do you have anything? Uh, I don't, but I will uh, on our next episode. Excellent. Cliffhanger. Jared? That's the cliffhanger. Jared? <laughs> no, uh, other than I'm really happy to be back. Excellent. Yes, we are glad to We're have you glad back. We're glad to have you studio. back. Yeah. We missed you, buddy. Thank you. Uh, good to your, be back. Your presence is, is missed. But it's, you're here now, so well, it was we're not really missing you as much right now. <laughs> His present is not is missed. It, yes, it, it was, was missed. missed. Yes. Yeah. So, anyways, glad to be back. We have some announcements. First of all, I want to bring up there. There's a note that um, our pal Liam Martin left for us on uh, the Facebook group. And if you haven't been to the Facebook group, go check it out. He was mentioning. I won't read the entire post, but he basically was recalling and that we had a, an episode featuring David Harris, who sadly passed away last year. Mm. But he mentioned that it was really cool hearing his amps on the show. Uh, we were at a studio that a good friend of mine runs, and so we had that basically professionally recorded in there. And his question was like, why don't we do that more often? Why don't we have sound clips of all the gear that we're talking about? And there's a couple reasons why. Number one, we don't always have the, the opportunity to get said gear in-house uh especially when we're talking about guitars that's just it's it's a hardship on a boutique builder to say hey can you please send me a guitar so i can send it right back or two or two yeah. uh and I, none of us are bankrolled enough to to buy all this stuff so that's one main reason the other reason is that it is it just takes quite a bit of extra production 
which this podcast already takes a lot of production for us to do. And we just simply don't have the bandwidth to do that. Mm. The third reason is that, you know, it's a, it's kind of a subjective thing. Uh, how, what, what you're playing, what guitar you're using, uh, and then it becomes a little bit more about what does this sound like? And, and our show is really focused on talking with the builder about their backstory and finding out what, what creates their unique fingerprint on within the guitar world. And you always post links to their websites. And, and most builders there are, these days have their own demonstrations and things yes. on there, or at least links to someone demonstrating. There their are gear, so. many people demonstrating. We've had quite a few of them on the show. So if you are interested in something that we've been discussing, or any kind of particular gear, there are plenty of ways to go check it out. I encourage you to do so uh, by some of the people that we've had on the show. Um, so, yes. That's the answer to your question, Liam. Thank you for posting that. Um, you know, I think in a perfect world, it'd be really great if this was our actual day job and uh, we could do that. That'd be mm. kind of fun. Do it professionally. And <laughs> when, do are it well. do, when are we going to do the video version? We will not be doing a video <laughs> version. And actually, that brings up another real good point. I am, I'm, I'm very much considering turning off the YouTube channel uh, because... I haven't posted any new ones on there since episode 60, and we're now at 123. I noticed 24. that, and I have premium YouTube, so I'm like, where's the episodes? At? Yeah, it's because it's because it's actually pretty, it's a pain in the neck to get the, to to upload get these all that stuff. uploaded yeah. Yeah. as MP3s, uh, yep. or, or as videos. Yep. I'm probably going to just turn that off because I don't want people to get the wrong impression that we don't have anything going on. I haven't sorted that out yet. Also, people might notice that um, we no longer have the $1 entry. Those who have entered up to this point with a $1 entry on Patreon, Patreon. we're obviously honoring that. Uh, but moving forward, we're just doing the, the 5, 10, uh, 20, and, and upward it's simply because it was ridiculous how much it costs to ship things so that's boring business sorry everybody but it, you know hopefully that hopefully that you that's know. why it's in the announcements section. yeah hang on real quick i'm hang getting on. a call from brian nutter who's supposed to be on the, on the show <laughs> hang on. oh oh my gosh we got a weird call in we're right in the middle of a podcast with somebody with with brian nutter in nashville and so nashville put him in the microphone and i was oh yeah you guys are buddies that's too cool. You, you actually worked on the original. Well, do you guys want to do the original like we'll seventy three strat? Can do it. <laughs> I was calling in to let you know that I wanted to do it. I don't, I don't want to jump on Brian's Brian's bandwagon. He's got a lot going on, so I'll let him do your thing, and then I'll do I'll do my thing, and then Brian and I will go to lunch and we'll talk about what we'll do together. That Excellent. sounds cool. Absolutely. Awesome, man. Well, my best to Brian. He's one of my faves, and um, I'll talk to you guys soon. I just I was looking at the email and going, man, I gotta give Todd a call. He's just gonna think I'm a flake. I yeah. just, uh, <laughs> well, he is a flake. <laughs> All right. Well, we're gonna give you. A, I'll give you a holler back, uh, like maybe tomorrow or something. How about that? Sounds good, man. Y'all have fun. All right. Thanks, take care. Bye. Well, <laughs> well, that was funny. a first. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. That honestly has never happened before. How yes. am I dialing cool. right I'm not now. Bus- dialing anybody? That was really weird. I know people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was incredible <laughs> it's not me on the phone I, 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 hope, I, I hope that actually worked out i think it might have <laughs> i am hoping it did uh anyway.
anyways, okay, so um, back to the quick announcements here. Uh, we have a new patron, uh, Johnny Knowles, and he gave us his four on the floor, so Woo-hoo! I wanted to uh, share that. Oh, yeah, cool. His four on the floor is the Boss Blues Driver, the Boo Instruments, which I guess is a UK company. Oh, I've never cool. heard of that. Well, how, what is it? Boo. Like, B-O-O. Like Ghost Boo? Like boo. Oh. Uh-huh. Yeah, or like, oh, hey, boo. You know, I, I don't <laughs> are know. You, is that what they say? Are you my boo? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's the boost pedal or from boo. boo. And then, yeah, or, or oh, that was a terrible joke. Is it joke. a boo boo? <laughs> okay, anyways. See, Tony always goes one step too One far. step beyond. <laughs> uh, the DOD Carcosa Fuzz. Oh. And a Voxwa. Voxwa. Yeah. Can't go wrong with a Voxwa. I love me a Voxwa. So, Johnny, thanks for sharing that, buddy. Uh, and also, he had um, this, um, this isn't like the, the Johnny uh, segment, but it, it, it just hap- so happens that this is relevant news. And I wanted to pass this on. I thought this was a pretty cool email he sent. See, when people send me stuff, I read it, but, you know, for the most part. Except the stuff I send you. That's true. He says, hey, my wife is always, I don't know why I started to sound like uh my wife. John Travolta right there or something. <laughs> you hey, did. You hey, did. my wife is my always... My Mr. Cotta. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, my wife is always totally bored when I talk about guitar stuff. I have been telling her that I've been listening to the Guitar Knobs podcast, and she went, whatever. The other day, I left my phone in her car, and she automatically... Don't ever do that, gentlemen. Don't Ooh, ever do that. Big mistake. <laughs> Get a burner phone. Boy, oh boy. He, is a, he must be a good boy. Um, the, the other day, I left my phone in her car, and it automatically played one of your podcasts, as it should. Uh, yes. She didn't know how to stop it. And had to listen to pretty much the whole thing during her journey. <laughs> oh uh, although she didn't admit liking it, <laughs> well, yeah, that's fair. She said it. She said several times to me since hosted today by these knobs. Ha ha ha! Love the show and keep up the good work, Johnny. Well, that was entertaining. Well, that's Thank great. You. Thank you, you for sending that, Johnny. Johnny, uh, <laughs> pretty, pretty. Pretty funny. All right, gentlemen, let's talk about what happened in our guitar worlds this week. Tony Baloney. Ah, okay. So last time uh, I talked a little bit about uh, putting together this Japanese tattoo telecaster. It's gone together very well. I'm still tweaking it a little bit, but I, I wanted to bring up, I, I had an old uh, late 70s, early 80s, DiMarzio sun cover. Uh, I think it's a SCHB. Is that what, what the official uh-huh. designation is? So essentially, it's two strat coils uh, underneath a cover, and it's got the engraved sun on the cover. Yeah. And um, I, I originally set this thing up with um, uh, two 500K pots. When I had it all together, I'm, I was playing it, and it was super, super bright, and it, much brighter than I remembered those pickups being. Um, but it, I guess it kind of does make sense because it's uh, one of the coils is reverse wound, reverse polarity, like a you know a humbucker should be. Uh, but because they're two strat coils, they, it's just really bright. So I ended up changing the volume pot out for a two fifty k instead of the five, and that helped a little bit. But it's still a really bright pickup, and I think part of it is uh, the body is made of pine. Which mm-hmm. generally is brighter, anyhow. My pine. But uh, but I, I just thought it was kind of interesting. Uh, this this was a pickup that I stuck on a shelf probably fifteen or twenty years ago, <laughs> and uh, I was just waiting for the right project, and it it just works out really well on this one. But um, I just thought I'd bring that up. It's just you know trials and tribulations of 
putting bits and pieces together. Yeah. I really like the old, old 70s DiMarzio stuff. Mm -hmm. It's, I'm not Mm -hmm. a big fan altogether. However, that era is a great, if anybody finds some of that old DiMarzio stuff laying around, if you're an older guy and you've got a drawer full of it, hang on to it because people are paying good money for that old DiMarzio stuff. Yeah. And allegedly these, the sun cover ones were wound by Larry DiMarzio himself. So in his Volkswagen bus (laughs) back when he had an Afro probably. It's quite possible. All right. So that's, that's that. So I'm just tweaking that thing a little bit more and moving on to the next project after that. Excellent. Uh, Brian, let's hear from you. Oh man. Um, yeah, my uh, my guitar world this week has been very typical, you know, making sawdust and and huffing lacquer, you know, <laughs> yes. everything from uh, everything from you know cutting out uh, bodies. I am actually working on a uh, two two separate custom orders right now that are uh, outside of my my Astro mount model. One is. Um, is a replication of a, of a guitar that I did for Keith Irvin about three years ago. And it's a double neck. One side is six string electric. The other side is six string electric banjo. I oh. call that the monster. So, um, I've been working on the body for that and getting all, getting all that ready for paint tomorrow, as well as a, uh, another kind of uh it's sort of explorer meets uh well, hang on don't give away too much about your guitars there buddy we're gonna get into this well but this one uh, we, uh, you don't get to see very much of okay. it's called the, the navigator so it's sort of explorer meets firebird but it's you know it's gonna have a matte black finish um uh, kaler all of uh, stuff that i don't normally do so that's my week this week awesome nice all right, man. So last week, everybody knows I was on vacation out of the country. However, my eyes were glued to the phone. And what I told my wife is the train is just going to keep rolling uh, as far as what I'm doing. So I, I was still engaged in my business and getting orders and talking to people and whatnot, because I just didn't want to come back to a big pile of stuff. Um, and one of those things were trying to figure out what kind of unit I'm going to use um, while I'm, I've got a booth at NAM, <laughs> And uh, so I figured I would probably give this universally, universal audio aux amp top box a try. And what that does is it, it's basically an attenuator. And it, you can plug in your amp into this and then have an out in the back and plug in, you know, back into your uh, speakers. speakers. And you can turn all that down, but yet your amp is turned up and you get the effect out of the speakers of, you know, the speakers breaking up and all that kind of thing, I think, right? Yes. And you, so your speakers aren't blowing your ears out because it's actually a lot quieter, but you're, you're getting the benefit of having an amp turned up. Yeah. What amp are you thinking about taking down there that might require this? I'm thinking of maybe a couple. You know, I'm thinking about taking uh, an orange with, um, you know, the the two twelve cab that I have, mm-hmm. and um, maybe take the uh, Plexi Clone as well, just so people have a choice. Um, 
And uh, Zach with uh, Mythos was actually, I think he was going to loan me an amp or, mm. or a unit too. And, and, and as well as um, my buddy Andy Harrison uh, was going to loan me a few smaller amps. But, you know, I'm kind of just paranoid about the volume setting there. Yeah, because I, you, you can't, know you can't be too loud there. So no, they 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 do police that pretty strongly. I want to talk a little more about this uh, top box though. The way it came, it's the unit's about I don't know, fourteen inches long, but it came in this huge box, and it's about the size of a filing cabinet drawer, and it is so well packed. Hmm. You open the box, and uh, it has a a box just for the instructions and the two little, I mean, it was put together really well. I mean, it's just a fantastic unit, hmm. really expensive too, but it's, it's worth it. I haven't dug into what it all can do, but I'm really excited about it. Yeah. Hmm. I, w- I would, I don't know that you need to bring too many amps to this. I mean, I think you want to showcase your pickups, not the amps. Yeah. But you know, when people see how serious you are, about how you're demo, you know, demoing mm-hmm. your stuff. How about you, Todd? What's going on in your musical work? Well, part of my the music extension was I was editing some videos from uh, our last show uh, for the Valentinos. Check it out on Instagram at Hey Valentinos. Instead of just going like, oh, here's a here's a iPhone, you know, of what we did. Um, I'm fortunate enough to be to have access to a couple people that handy with the with a video camera and they went around and got some great footage and then I went and edited it and uh, I was really excited to do that. So that's an extension of what I was doing. And part of that was that I had a zoom mic in, which is like a, a handheld, you know, mic that you can record music and concerts and everything with. It's a, it's an ambient mic. You don't plug it into anything. It just, you know, records the room essentially. Uh, you can put, you can plug in two direct mics to it. They're pretty affordable. And I just had it out at the booth, and it, it did a pretty decent job with the room. It got a little boomy, um, but I think that's just a positioning that I had to deal with. Uh, so part of the music part of this was I had to, you know, make it sound better. So master it a bit in um, Logic, and then make the little videos. So that was kind of that was kind of fun, and um, you know, it's it wasn't a direct guitar gear per se, but uh, it had to do with my guitar music. So there you have it, peoples. Let's get into some... One, two, one, two, three. Four on the floor. All right, Brian, give us your four on the floor. My four on the floor is probably going to be pretty boring to most people, but growing up, you know, when I did, pedals, you have to understand, were considered toys because everyone wanted the rack gear. Right. But... <laughs> the only stuff that was like the stuff that you were using pedal wise was was uh was directly affecting the way your amplifier reacted and just for real, me, man, real like, quick brian before you get in way deep on this i'm sure that there's a few people out there they're going i don't know what rack gear is right describe <laughs> rack gear just a little bit Okay, so uh, way back in the in in the prehistoric times there were there were these big 19 inch wide pieces of gear that we would slide into these huge the cases. 80s. <laughs> yes. Uh, and the they, uh, you know, did a variety of things, you, you know, be it reverbs or uh, delays or modulation or, or what have you. Um, so 
that that was considered the pro gear as a, and, and pedals were, I once heard a guy refer to his little boss, um, plastic pedal board thing as action figures, you know, (laughs) the old star Wars things for me, the, my first pedal would actually be a Dynacomp. Anything like a Dynacomp circuit, Ross covers a bunch of things. And the reason for that is uh, touring as long as I did and having to do fly dates and TV shows or whatever, you never, never really knew what was going to show up. I had my writer that told me, you know, what pedals were going to show up or what amps were going to show up. Uh, I always wanted a JCM 800 Marshall. But sometimes I got a twin. And, oh, uh, my, that's so I, different. Mm, yeah. I mean, you, so particularly if you're doing a, you know, uh, a festival in, you know, butt sniff Idaho somewhere, cause you know, nobody. <laughs> I've been to like that a, town. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude. Aptly named. <laughs> yeah. What about intercourse, <laughs> so, Pennsylvania? <laughs> so, you know, you show up with that and you're used to a Marshall, but which by the way, I mean, I have the schematic for my 1983 JC 800 Marshall, uh, tattooed on my left arm. So I'm very, very serious about the way that sounds. So the compressor, I don't use as a, as a smasher so much, you know, uh, unless I'm doing like a hardcore old country gig, but, uh, I use, I use the compressor much more like a boost just to drive the front end a little harder and maybe squish it a little. Mm -hmm. Um, it can also be used, uh, to add just a little bit more gain. So that's the reason for the, for the compressor. And it doesn't need a tone control. It doesn't need to be like all fancy schmancy. I just needed something. All the the pedals that I'm going to talk about, I wanted to be able to buy them in any store, anywhere, if it died. That's a common theme with uh, touring musicians, yes. So that was the that that's the biggest reason for uh, for the Dynacomp. And man, I just it's a it's a cool sounding little box. It does a neat thing. And, you know, the, the, the Ross circuit, if you guys know anything about pedals, yeah. you can actually build a Ross compressor on the circuit board for a Dynacomp. It's the same thing. Interesting. Mm-hmm. What do you have for number two? Pedal number two would be any kind of tube scrimber derivative. We'll go with a TS9. And the TS9 is what everyone would use it for. You know, I don't use it for, for like drive, like into a clean amp. Um, I would use the tube screamer in front of something that's already overdriving. Right. The, the, the tube screamer by itself, if it's in front of something that's already clean, it's a horrible sound. (laughs) It's that mixture of like fuzzy clippy sound and, and the, and the clean signal as well. And I have never seen a reason for that. Uh, There was a manufacturer who probably still makes this, I'm not going to name them, um, but it has a, an actual control where you can turn your clean level up. Why do I need that in my overdrive? Mm. I don't. Um, so I just, whenever I use the tube screamer, it's in front of uh, like, you know, usually the Marshall or something like that. Something that's already really pushing a lot of air right. and, uh, and is starting to grind. So you use it, it to push it over the edge. Absolutely. I do the the same thing. Yeah. Um, So the, but the tube screamer also, I mean, and it could be any of those, you know, it could be a super overdrive. It could be a a full drive. It could be uh, a nobles. And I'm, when I say tube screamer, I mean like all the way down to the the sound tank up to whatever versions out right now, as long as it's that asymmetrical 
clipping in the first section of the or the first uh, stage of the op amp kind of overdrive stuff. Right. That's what matters. All right. Dig it. Well, that certainly isn't the first time a tube screamer's made it onto the four on the floor. And it won't no, be the last. <laughs> what do you have for number three? Number three would be a, a, a mid to high gainy box. Um, this box would be used only if I got a clean amp. Can you be specific? I will be specific. Um, so I would probably pick a Boss Blues driver. Oh, interesting. The, ah. the, the Blues driver plays well with other overdrives. So if I'm using in conjunction with the, the blue, and I would use the blues driver as like the main sort of crunch rhythm sound um, in a, into a clean amp, I wouldn't use it in front of uh, an already like hot rotted Marshall. So the, um, with the, with the blues driver on, I can now sort of like bump up its, uh, it's sort of, pick responsiveness and um, maybe a little bit more gain with, with either the compressor or push it into like shred land with the tube screamer by stacking any and all of that stuff up. I wouldn't turn all three on at the same time because then that turns into just a mess. But uh, yeah, it would, it would either, but again, you know, being on the road, it was like whatever I could get my hands on. So substitutions for that would have been, you know, anything from like, uh, a Sir Riot or a uh, a full tone OCD mm-hmm. uh, in a perfect world a BK Butler tube driver, but you know uh, the 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 BD two you can buy it everywhere. Yeah, yeah, true, 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 true. Utilitarian at heart, I see. Oh, <laughs> wait till to the next one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, give us number four. Can't be a tuner. <laughs> exactly. No, it's not going to be a tuner. It's actually going to be more useful than a tuner. Um, so the the last one would be the Boss GE7. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Okay. The GE7 is really, really overlooked um, because it's great for a lot of stuff. It's a tremendous boost pedal. If you set everything at wow. zero and yep. then crank the output level all the way up it's really killer uh that's where an do old you school use that what's I, that i mean in your in your in your um chain where do you t- like to use that basically the way i'm laying these out in order would be the chain okay so it would be compressor first tube screamer blues driver ge7 all right with this pedal complement I can create the desired like rhythm, clean and lead tones that I need. All the other stuff like modulation and and time-based stuff is just grease at that point. Mm -hmm. All I'm looking for is like, you know, just core tone. So the, uh, the GE seven, it can be used as a boost into it again, an already overdriven amp. So it will put it into much heavier overdrive. It can be used for, um, correctional things mm-hmm. you know if uh if the the amp is a little too bright and with the blues driver and the tone control and the blues driver is not really doing anything for it well then i can i can pull down some of the high end mm-hmm. uh, you can also use it as a that sort of like cocked wah sort of sound um you can with in in conjunction with the tube screamer and the blues driver, you can get to like 
much more like thrash metal sounds by by you know setting the eq eq curve into a v or whatever mm-hmm. so that's uh that would be you know the four and and that's why i say it's always the most boring because you can buy them anywhere but nobody's everyone's always you know thinking about you know making strange noises or uh different fuzzes and that kind of stuff mm-hmm. that stuff is it's a special effect i'm always concerned really with like the core central of sound that right. i'm going to be making first everything else is is additive now we've had a couple of the ge7s uh which for those we, we haven't specifically named it but that's a graphic equalizer so that for anyone who's wondering what a ge7 is that is the boss equalizer pedal and uh it's five band equalizer seven 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 mm-hmm. yeah yeah seven. Thus, thus the, the seven. seven i'm an idiot sorry <laughs> yeah they, they they phased I'm out the ge5 a long so time good ago. i'm so good there was math. actually a ge6 prior <laughs> mm-hmm. uh but it, I don't. I don't think it had a level control. Yeah, you know, one thing when when Rob Chafe was here, uh, that was kind of an interesting thing. He suggested, or at least suggested, experimenting with putting a, a graphic EQ in the effects loop. Yes. Um, oh, that absolutely. That, that gives it a you know a little more tonality. I imagine much more like a like a Mesa Boogie, like they had the totally, old, yeah, uh, graphic EQs on them. Too true. Too yes. true. Uh, now, one of the things that has come up when when those have been mentioned is uh, actually we had one on the last. Um, there was a guest four on the floor, and they mentioned that they had it modded. And our friends at Alchemy Audio out in Chicago, Johnny, hey and, Johnny, and co, um, Johnny. they uh, they do a mo- a noise mod on the uh, on the EQ to reduce it because it can be. Just extra noise. Sure. Have you uh, have you encountered anything like that? Does that bother you? Do you like it? It doesn't bug me because if I'm using the GE7, I'm putting it before a volume pedal, so I'll you know I will uh, just roll the volume back. And but I mean any of those pedals can be improved sure. as far as you know noise levels go due to the 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 quality of the caps that they put in them. So if you put higher quality caps throughout an, an EQ pedal absolutely you know that that sort of like hissing and noise floor goes way down right right well cool man that's uh that is a tidy that's a working that's floor. a working man's a working oh yeah 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 four on the floor. i'm worried about playing songs not jumping all over the place <laughs> 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 but, yes. but can you get that in a rack mount yeah <laughs> you can absolutely you can excellent <laughs> Well, uh, speaking of making making music and playing songs, uh, you make guitars out I in do. Nashville or Nashville area, I should say. Yeah. And where is you like you're specifically? I'm in Ashland City. I'm about thirty miles northwest of Nashville. Mm. Okay, so the like is that uh, is that getting the encroachment from the crowds yet? No, we're actually kind of the the last undiscovered quadrant. Ooh. of nashville if huh. you will all right 65 kind of divides nashville north and south 40 divides it east and west so we sort of fall in that like if you look at it like a clock like nine to noon area mm-hmm. that's the one spot that hasn't been overdeveloped uh, and yet it's, yeah it's mm-hmm. coming 
But I'm going to bring my soap manufacturing company out there. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I well, live in the sticks. Believe me, some of my neighbors could probably use it. <laughs> um, oh, geez. Uh, so you make, let's just say you make a pretty interesting looking guitar. And <laughs> that's the idea. Yeah, yeah. It's way fun. <laughs> and, you know, I'll, to, to paint a picture of what we stumbled upon when we met Brian, uh, there was a, a a sharply clad man in a in a suit and a crazy looking Jetson style rad guitar and a big quaff of hair and some funky glasses and a, and a big toothy grin and I'm like yeah this is it's like he's like space age buddy Holly right here this is pretty cool <laughs> um, and uh, I you know I just I appreciate it it's like some personality in it and so. We're going to get into all of, you know, how you came about the guitars that you, you know, are making right now and why. I cool. will mention that aside from them, you know, it's probably, I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's probably one of those things where you're like, yeah, 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 they're, they're crazy looking. But did you know they're actually really great builds like you know <laughs> at some point in time i'm sure <laughs> i don't care what they look like these are awesomely built guitars why can't you, you people realize well that? no it you get some of that it's like well you know it doesn't, it doesn't look like a telecaster well no it doesn't look like a telecaster fender makes those yeah. i don't i mean the world doesn't need a telecaster for me yeah yeah uh and whenever i explain to everyone they're just like well so who's who's doing all the paint work well i am yeah well who who's who's doing the 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 cnc stuff well there's no cnc stuff and i do all the necks and all the woodworking by hand oh well who's making your pickups well i am on the winder that i built wow so, and then everyone goes uh, oh yeah <laughs> so. excellent well we're gonna we're gonna get into uh all of that but i think we need to understand a little bit from whence this all came uh, I always like to find <laughs> out, you know, like what's the background, what drives somebody into this sort of thing. Because most people Lunacy. don't just to see exactly. <laughs> so there's something, some some closet back there must be opened right now. Um, where where did you get the bug? How did you get the guitar bug? Oh God! Uh, from the time I was born, my dad uh, my dad played a pedal steel in a in a country band, and I grew up actually in West Virginia, about a hundred miles southeast of you guys um if you follow 33 through lancaster and athens and all that stuff you run right into my hometown okay. nice okay. yeah um it's beautiful down there west virginia is a fantastic place to grow up and it's an even better place to leave <laughs> um, so, uh. <laughs> so uh dad played played pedal steel in this country band so i was always around guitar players and just musicians in general and this would have been, you know, the early, early and mid seventies. So, uh, the, I was exposed to a lot of cool stuff, you know, both country wise and Southern rock. Southern rock was probably the, the closest thing I got to like real rock and roll, you know, mm. like Blackfoot, Molly Hatchet, uh, of course, you know, Leonard Skinner, the Eagles, that kind of stuff. Don't forget so, 38 special straight up. Yeah. I mean, so I find, I find Joe Walsh pretty early, um, as a kid and, didn't even realize who Joe Walsh was. I just could, I could truly identify that guy every time I heard him play. And then didn't start really playing until I was about 12. Uh, when I heard Blizzard of Oz for the first time, 
Mm. Yes. And that freaked me out because I'd been around electric guitars all my life at that point, you know, up to what I'm to 12 years, but not a single one has ever made that noise before. <laughs> <laughs> it was the most terrifying, sinister, just incredibly exciting sound I'd ever heard. And it was like, okay, if that, and you know, I see photos of this guy and he's playing a Les Paul, just like the guy in my dad's band was playing a Les Paul right. custom. So how did he make his sound like that? So, you know, of course I dive truly headlong into uh, the, you know, heavy metal of the time and learning how to play. And eventually, you know, I became like straight up disciple of guys like, you know, Paul Gilbert and Malmsteen and George Lynch and that kind of thing. By the time I'm 17, I'm uh, wanting to hot rod stuff and, you know, mod things. And I'm getting Stu Mac catalogs and reading all of the, all of the, uh, the trade the electronic stuff <laughs> from like Mike Winslow and all, you know, just all of that stuff. And just, you know, <clears throat> get a, get an iron and, you know, start swapping out pickups and whatever. Then I buy parts from, from Stu Mac, you know, bodies and necks and start sticking stuff together. And by the time I'm, uh, I go to college for a little while for music education at WVU. And I realize about halfway in that, you know, if I just go play sessions, I would make like three or four times the money I'm going to make as a teacher. So I'm going to do that. So I moved to Los Angeles and uh, I bought this creeper van from West Virginia paving and <laughs> stuffed everything that I owned into yes. it and drove, <laughs> drove to California. Wow. I still drive a creeper van, by the way. I <laughs> actually, I affectionately refer to this one as creeper three because it's <laughs> a third one. <laughs> but so I get out to LA and I'm working at, uh, I'm working at like, West LA music and doing uh, it's I had a small, a very small stint at Guitar Center uh, in Hollywood. My employee number is zero zero four seven nine three. You will never forget it if you've ever worked there. <laughs> um, so, and during that time at West LA music, I started playing sessions. But I also met uh, Tom Anderson and Don Grosh. And it was Don Grosh, who still has a very successful guitar company out in Colorado, who's since moved out there. Uh, I was like, dude, I'd love to. I was just fascinated by guys that made guitars and told Don, I was like, man, I got to come by the factory sometime. He goes, factory? We built these in my mom's garage. Oh, wow. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. It was like, oh, people make these not factories like guys make these mm -hmm. so then from there on in you know i made buddies with dawn uh and then just started like buying every book that i could and getting deeper and deeper into the whole thing and by the time i moved to nashville in like 2000 i actually meant to be i was i wanted to be a guitar maker in nashville but i got here and no one wanted to uh to buy anything from me because nobody knew me or, you know, so, you know, I need to eat. Uh, right. and I, I got a, I got a, a guitar tech gig through friends. Cause there was piles of friends from West Virginia. Dude, I, that, I, that I swear. Here. I thought you were going to say you became a male prostitute. And I was just like, Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> Ron Garvin. What's wrong with that? <laughs> uh, Excuse me. Um, I gotta move this trust. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> okay, with your white creeper yeah. van. I'm going to make a small adjustment. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I get this guitar tech gig for, at that point, a new up-and-coming uh, solo artist named Keith Urban. 
Ah. So I go out. I think and, I've heard and, of him before. Who's that guy? Well, the, <laughs> the bass player in Keith's, uh, well, not at that time, but the, in Keith's previous band called The Ranch, his name's Jerry Flowers. Well, Jerry and I are from the same area in West Virginia. We have all the same friends and all the, you know, musician friends and whatever. So I meet, I meet Keith and I tech for him for like six months and I get to looking around and I'm like, you know, it would just be easier if I played. So I started getting playing gigs and from there, my, my playing career kind of took off and got in the way of my building career. Mm. So I started, I played with uh, like Lone Star and uh, went on to play with Taylor Swift I went back to Keith's band for about eight or nine years um, and then played with Dirk Bentley and Michael Tate and Toby Mack of, of uh, DC Talk, uh, Rachel Lampa. Just did a bunch of stuff playing-wise. 2014, um, I stopped touring with Keith. My wife and I did a, did a record and an acoustic tour all over the United States. We played like 180 gigs doing just house concerts. Wow. So basically playing in people's living rooms. Hmm. And it was on that tour that we found out that she was pregnant with my daughter. Ooh. So that's what happens when you leave every gig with a hot girl. Um, right. Nah, so, there it is. Uh, and then whenever she was born, I was like, look, I'm not going back on the road. That's just not happening. Right. And so... I told her, told my wife, look, I'm going to retool. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to retool up. (laughs) I'm going to retool up and I'm going to do guitars again. So if you want me to make something for you, tell me now. She goes, okay, I want a rocking chair. So I built her a rocking chair. And then since late 2014, I've been making guitars headlong. And as of like October of this last year, I'm also, I teach two days a week at, uh, Musicians Institute Guitar Craft Academy here in Nashville. Oh, wow. That's right. really nice. cool. That's cool. Yeah. yeah, I failed to mention, uh, aside from being a sharply dressed uh, chap, holy moly, man, you can play. Oh. To, to the point, like, he's like, yeah, check out my guitar that, you know, I've been wanting you guys to check this out. And he, his fingers start flying, turn into spaghetti. And he's like, here, try it. And I was like, I'm good. The Nashville chicken picking. I, uh, Thank you for that. Uh, I'm all... I'm all filled up with that right now. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, most of Nam was thankful that you didn't you do anything, that. but uh, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I still do. I still do a handful of sessions a month. Uh, I don't do any live gigs anymore. I'm kind of kind of disenchanted with the whole thing. Is, so, there, is uh, there much of a music scene in Nashville? A little, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, you have to look. Yeah, I right. figure. And truthfully, in, 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 in all seriousness, you do have to look for the good stuff. Yeah, because it's that's totally just like fair. anywhere else. It's su- it's super easy to go down to you know Broadway and hear somebody doing like Luke Bryan covers all day long. Mm-hmm. But if you really want to see like the great stuff, and it's out there. I mean, it's nothing to see to go to the five spot and see like Tom Peterson with, with cheap trick playing with his daughter or, uh, you know, you can see oddly freed and Reeve Gabrels doing a gig, um, back and forth with each other. So to hear, you know, a guy that plays just like Jimmy page and Reeves who plays like Reeves, that's the only way I can really explain it. Yeah. But yeah. You can see some tremendous, tremendous stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get into your all the different styles and shapes and everything and, and how did you land where you landed? 
I took I, I my favorite guitar in the whole world is probably a Gibson Explorer. I was always just fascinated by it because it just looked it looked sort of retro spacey. And then whenever I, you know, the older I got and I discovered, you know, well, this was designed in 1958. That blew my mind yeah. that, that, that Gibson, like Ted McCarty was so forward thinking that he would put this thing out in 1958. Yeah. Because that had to look just like bonkers. The most alien thing that anyone's <laughs> yeah. ever seen in the whole yeah, world. Totally. Jared and I. I had, mean, the Les Paul was strange to people. At that we point. had matching explorers. Todd and I did. Yeah. It was pretty oh. cool. <laughs> White. White on white matching explorers right. with matching pink cases. That's what I'm saying. Do you yeah. think those should be slung down low when you play them? Uh, that's the cool part about the explorers because there's so little real estate over the pickups. Mm-hmm. It looks cool like jacked up under your chin or like banging off of your knees. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's, that's true. Awesome. It's a, and they're comfortable guitars. They're really oh I God. mean, that, that, the up, your, your arm can just rest right on that, that upper cut and it, it feels a great. It's perfectly designed angle. Absolutely. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Aside from just the, the way it looks, it's a really well-balanced and really well-designed thing. Unlike the flying V <laughs> right? <laughs> which is also equally cool, but just, it's just, it doesn't do the same thing. Definitely not. Very easy Try to, to play find another down. guitar where the, the strap connects basically right beside the 21st fret and it's well balanced. The right. only reason it is, is because of all of that lumber that's on the backside of it to like keep it from being neck heavy. Yeah. Yeah. But they but sure so are I, cool looking guitars. Oh my oh god! Boy. <laughs> the uh, I love the Explorer, and I'm also you know I love the Fender stuff as well. Um, so I took I took um, I, I had this out in my shop one day. I just had this big piece of MDF, and I drew one long center what, line. Tell, you explain what MDF is real quick. MDF is uh, uh, it's. Mason fiberboard. Yeah, fiberboard. It's like is all it is. And I use it for making jigs and fixtures and that kind of thing. You know, that will uh, enable to able me to like replicate my shapes or uh pick up routes or sure. that kind of thing. So I had this big piece of MDF and I take I draw one long line like right on it and I start drawing stuff on it mm-hmm. in you're trying to come up with a design and it's all swoopy like everything else. And then it hit me. It was like, ah, everything looks like that. Everything's really curvy and kind of sexy or whatever. But what if it was all straight lines and let's see what we can do with that. And I started just like making these angles and, uh, and then I incorporated a few familiar things. Like the, on the upper bout where the arm rests on the Astro model, it's very similar to a Strat. There's a belly cut, there's a t- uh, an arm cut, and it, it feels kind of like home, but it looks way, way different. Yeah. So then I thought, okay, so that looks kind of cool. You know, that's, that's that, that fits your, like, your, your need for, like, that retro futuristic thing. And... Because, you know, for me, man, guitar is fun. That's all it is. The guitar should be fun. It shouldn't be pretentious. It shouldn't be like all cork sniffery and (laughs) having a subscription to guitar aficionado. Right. You know, that just, oh my God, I can't stand that stuff. The guitar 
is fun. It's is it mean? Eh, well, whatever. <laughs> I'm not the warmest, fuzziest guy in the whole world. Uh, but you know, you have you have uh, it, if you if you ask any guitar player, why did you start playing? And he starts off with, well, you know, it was directly influenced by Led Zeppelin. It's like, no, you wanted to get chicks. That's why you started playing the guitar. <laughs> because it's cool and it's fun. That's why you started playing the guitar. It's so dangerous. The guitar, yes. The guitar should be fun. That's the whole point. Yeah. Um, so then I was like, okay, I got this cool, fun shape. Now what do I do with it? And right. then I thought, I throw everything at it I can think of. Uh-huh. So the next thing I know, I've got all these switches and additional pickups and hey, it'd look cool with a kind of a Bigsby thing on it. All right, cool. Can can the push can the pots push pull? Sure they can. And ta-da. Right. What if we sh- what if we shoot it with glitter? Ugh, right on. Go. Now you're talking my language. Yeah. Oh man, metal flake paint paint jobs are my favorite thing in the whole world. Yep. Well, it's in, it's kind of interesting because I, I keep I'm reminded that, you know. There is a there is a direct correlation. I think you know we've talked about this several times between the automobile, you know, early automobile worlds and 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 guitar uh, oh, totally. stuff. And you know, the difference between something being pretty straightforward and streamlined, like you know, like an early you know Porsche three fifty six or something, where everything is like only exactly what that was supposed to be versus like a galaxy you know mm-hmm. something like that it's it's everything and and there's like yeah let's let's just make this gonzo and yours is kind of a gonzo guitar it's really fun yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so I, and it was the other thing was like from touring as much as i did with like when i toured with keith i always had about a dozen instruments on the road mm-hmm. and it was for not only sound reasons but for tuning reasons, <clears throat> would be like multiple tunings or capo positions or whatever. So anywhere I could find to keep the same guitar on for two songs or or more, I wanted that. So in order to like now, whenever I go do sessions, instead of taking my typical complement of like you know my my old Telly and and Strat and uh, Les Paul, my Gretsch and all that kind of stuff with me, now I take two of these. I take mm-hmm. two two of the Astros with me. One's tuned down a half step. And now, you know, because most producers hear with their eyes, uh, you know, they think, oh, we need to have a telly. If you don't pull out a telly, right. then then it's wrong. But now they they know me well enough at, or in, you know, and now not only as a player, but as a builder, mm-hmm. that whenever they say telly and I flick a couple switches and they go, yeah, okay. Yeah. There it is. Let's go with that. Your your guitars actually are, are I think, closely remind me of uh, Frank Dimel's guitars out in uh, Germany, who also has a, a, a absolutely crazy amount of switches and and doohickeys and goodies, and he embraces Man, he the fun aspect too. Seriously, cool, cool stuff. Yeah, <clears throat> his finishes are really really hip. I understand you wind your own pickups, and me as I a pickup indeed. winder that does it full time. And I do sell to a lot of different guitar builders, uh, resellers or customers or what have you. I wanted to say, I find it uh, very, very cool when a guitar builder builds his own pickups. 
And Thank you. Um, so I wanted to ask you with that, um, just briefly, um, how did you build your winder? Like, what kind of motor did you use? I mean, just just real briefly, what you know, what made you make that decision to do them yourself? Was it a cost thing? Was it a inspiration thing? Well, you know, as 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 well as I do now, that it's certainly not a cost and time thing, right? Um, yeah. Because making pickups is the best way I can ever explain making pickups is fiddly, because <laughs> it. It takes a while, and I'm, you know, I've got to sit there with my optimizer on. I feel like Dan, Dan Early one every time I do it, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, uh, you know, but the reason for the for for making the pickups is I always felt like I had I would have more control not only over the way the guitar sounded, but the way the guitar looked, like aesthetically, I wanted the pickups to look a little different than everyone else's. Yeah. The same way I, I want the guitar to look a little different, I don't necessarily just want to drop in a, you know, a double cream, like, dual sound from DiMarzio. Sure. Um, but, so, I thought long and hard about the way I wanted to make the pickups. I knew the, the way I wanted them to make them sound. And I considered doing truly, like, proprietary-looking things. But then just knowing the way I am as a player and the way most guys are, at some point, somebody's going to want to swap out something. And they don't need to have to mess with, they'll be like, oh my God, well, this thing's got these pickups in it. I can never change them out. Mm -hmm. So I chose to go with a, with a, a humbucker platform. Um, and I also do like a P9D style as well as a uh, Strat style. Mm -hmm. The bread and butter. Inside that humbucker form. Yeah. Well, that's really cool. I, I just wanted to point that out and compliment you on that. Thank you. Now, the winder, uh, whenever I first thought, hey, I can probably make, a, make pickups too. This has been, God, 25 years ago. I bought that, um, that Jason Lawler book. Right, right, yeah. And I made that winder. So, I'm using, <laughs> it's like... It is so Beverly, Beverly Hillbillies looking. It's like the it's very, very low tech. It's a sewing machine motor with um, there's a a motor from a an oscillating fan that I got from Family Dollar. Yes. <laughs> and there's a little cam on that. And that's what pushes the rod to guide the wire right inside the box. Traverse. Yeah, that's so yeah. cool. Yeah, that's um really interesting. And when you look at that kind of ornate thing that people build on their own, it's you don't see it anywhere else. It to me that I admire that about people that that can build their own machine. Mm -hmm. Thank uh, you. You know, I think one of the reasons I had to I had to just verify it because uh, I, I remember when I first saw your guitar, it was like there was something as as unique as that is. There was something I was like, wait a minute, this this feels like something that I already like, and I couldn't put my finger on it. And I literally didn't put my finger on it until just now. It's the electric or the Electra Outlaw Bass. Really? And if so, if you have the opportunity, look up the Electric Outlaw Bass. And yours is is definitely different. But there is a I the first time I ever saw one of those, I was like, I don't play bass, but 
damn, I want that guitar. <laughs> it's so cool looking. Uh, yeah. So it's just, you know, I think that they kind of said, let's do something maybe a little bit different. I don't know how well that went back then. I think this is the uh, 70s, yeah. late 70s. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, but uh, yeah. So anyways, I had a question specifically as a uh, boutique builder. How are you handling your uh, fretboards? Fretboards are all done, uh, you know, by me. I'm doing. Um, Let me be specific. I meant like uh, material wise. Yeah, Sorry. I'm using I'm using Palferro because of the whole Sides thing. Um, and Palferro actually carries three different names depending upon you know who you're talking to. Guitar players know it as Palferro. If you want to make it sound fancier, you can call it Bolivian Rosewood, which I have done. Okay. Uh, but lumber suppliers usually will refer to it as Murado. Ooh, ooh, I don't like that name. Now, technically, Murado. It is not for the for the Sides thing. And what I'm talking about there is there's a. It's spelled C I T E S, and I think it's an acronym for something. Right. But it's a it's a governing body basically looking out for endangered wood species. Right. In the entire. Uh, Dal t- the scientific name Dalbergia line for is rosewoods, all rosewoods. Um, Murado or Palfero is technically not a Dalbergia. It's um, I forget the the other scientific name for that, but that's how it sort of falls outside of that. So mm-hmm. if I was going to ship this guitar anywhere in the world, then Customs is not going to give me a hard time about you know, well, you're violating blah blah blah, right. Uh, but at the same time, aesthetically, it's brown wood. It looks like, it looks kind of like East Indian, it's East Indian rosewood. Mm-hmm. It comes in, you know, color wise, it can be darker brown. Sometimes it's much lighter. The stuff that Fender gets is usually much lighter colored. Um, but uh, the stuff I've been getting lately is really, really dark. Interesting. Cool, and I know that uh, one of the, one of the other neat things I like about what you're doing is uh, you're splitting the dots on the neck, uh, <laughs> which I appreciate. <laughs> and uh, and man, thank you. <laughs> yeah. The uh, I did the dots like that, and then I put the first few of them out, and then I saw that my buddy Doug Cower has that has the dot configuration like that on his Titans. Mm. And I was so mad. I was like, no. <laughs> and, then, and then it hit me. It was like, well, how many guys make like, you know, make necks with the dots like right down the middle and split at the 12th fret? Yeah. So, and he, he's not the only oh, one doing that either. So, well, it totally. And, yeah. you know, and, you know, I, I buy Doug beer whenever I see him. So. <laughs> yeah. And so for those who don't know what I'm talking about, splitting, splitting the, uh, the dots, essentially what we're talking about is, if you are looking down at your guitar, the uh, first nine, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, are not in the center of your fretboard, but they're closer to the low E string. Uh, so they're they're closer to you, which is great if you are having a hard time seeing things. <laughs> totally. <laughs> and then the uh, from the from twelve on. Those go towards those are on the high E side of things, and yeah. it's just it's you know aesthetically it's a little different, but you know it. Yeah, I think it's it's cool. I've Thank got you. a couple of marks on my guitars where I can see <laughs> things better. <laughs> oh my <laughs> god! Marker. Yeah, dude, I've used those um, those glow in the dark side dots before. Uh huh. 
you can't see them that well either way, mm-hmm. really. I mean, they, they work, they work kind of okay, you know, in normal light and they work kind of okay as long as they're charged up in, in, in you know, dim light, but I yeah. don't know. Well, it, hey, it varies. Paul, Paul Simonon of The Clash, amen to them, uh, mm-hmm. he literally had the notes written at the, on the top uh, behind, you know, at the at the top sort of rolling arch of the of the neck. I so where your thumb that. sits, yeah, is were actually written on there because he That's he didn't know awesome. how to play bass. That's fantastic! Isn't that I great? Did not know uh, that. I like that. <laughs> now, I've seen uh, lots of guys use whiteout over the side dots. Oh yeah, I guess I would. Yeah. That's a good idea. There's all yeah. kinds of ways. And and you know what? It's you just got to make it work. You totally. got to make it work. That's it. You got a show so, to do. What do yeah, you That's right. <laughs> you got to know what note to play. That's exactly. Right. The, man, the lighting guy, that's that dude is your friend or your enemy. Yes, yeah. indeed. So uh, what uh we talked a little about you know, fretboards and things. What other types of wood? I mean, what, what what's your preferred uh neck wood, body wood? The the Astros are done with um, maple necks and alder for, alder bodies, because the generally whenever I'm painting the guitars, it's always in a, it's almost always in a an opaque color. Okay, mm. you know, be it uh, metallic or true like bass boat style metal flake. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I like alder because you don't have to pour fill it. It's oh. not a it's not a porous wood, so I don't have to do an additional step like I would have to do with like ash or uh or mahogany yeah. and trying to grain fill that stuff. So the, the alder works out really, really great and it's plentiful. It's easy to get my hands on. I, I can get really good stuff. I can also get light stuff, which isn't always the case with ash or with uh mahogany. Most people associate mahogany with like Honduran mahogany. Well Honduran mahogany is really, really expensive. Mm. African mahogany is really plentiful, but it's very dense and it's really, really heavy. Mm. Um, as with ash, people think swamp ash is a is an actual, you know, version of ash. Well, it's not. It's not its own tree. It's still white ash that grew in a wetter area, mm. which is what makes it lighter. Um, so then, good lord, don't even get me started on the. Uh, the the thing that every guitar player asks me now the very first question it's not how does it play how does it sound it's what's it weigh <laughs> yeah I'm, like, oh I'm guilty God. of asking that a lot dear lord <laughs> yeah are your shoes too tight sweetheart I mean come on <laughs> I know somewhere between five and twenty pounds yes. <laughs> totally. you're right you're uh, right total oh. side note you just said uh, the the poor had the poor with the thing this is this is classic non-professional guitar knobstod. <laughs> but I thought, wow, what a great name for like um a me- like a Mexican food bar and it would just be called Por Favor, but it'd be P O U R like pour, like a pour me a favor, you know? Uh, think about it. hey, somebody's going like, dude, he's he's on something there. Poor That's another freebie favor. right there it is. Uh, there's the new chain Ooh, sweeping doggy. the nation. You know it. It's going to happen and I won't get a dime. <laughs> All right. <laughs> what else is new? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, quick, crazy lightning round. The, you, were, you mentioned Metal Flake. What's your oh, very yeah. favorite Metal Flake color? Oh, wow. Um, I would say it would have to be... Um, it would have to be... Um, oh, my God. I can't, mint green. 
Mint green. Mm. Mint green. Wow, that's left field. Holy moly. That's cool, though. All right. What color pick guard? Black. Okay. Good enough. I can see that. None yet. Yep. So hopefully people have taken a moment to go check out your guitars. Uh, But if if they haven't yet, please go check his stuff out. It's really cool stuff. And we didn't get into all the heavy-duty electronic bits, but I'm telling you, this guy puts a ton of thought into the guitars i spoke with a friend of his who would who just went crazy trying to explain how thoughtfully made these guitars were and and all of the intricacies within so we've we've kind of skated around the uh the outside of the ring but within lies um quite amazing stuff so oh that's that's a whole other episode all into its own exactly talking about how this thing works oh uh, now will you be you're, you said you're going to be at nam will you be yes. showing your guitars absolutely i'll also be debuting a new model awesome um and i can't say too much about it but what i will tell you is if think about seeing now that you guys have seen like the astro and maybe even if you've seen on the website the cadet mm-hmm. think about what i would do if i made a rickenbacker Mm, interesting mm. me me likey oh, ricky yeah, tony yeah. is a rickenbacker fiend mm. so yeah that's uh that is what is coming up right now that's nice. really cool very cool uh well we look forward to doing that um we also look forward to hearing the golden tones of jared because ladies and gentlemen it's time for would you rather all right I liked ours better last time. Yes. <laughs> I don't know how. Okay. <laughs> this week's Would You Rather, it's it's very simple, but I think I think it's a great one. And, and Tony, it, it sounded like he, he came up with this one from the top of his head. It's great. Are you going to, you're going to have a Les Paul and it's going to be an early 70s deluxe. Are you going to take the Les Paul with the mini humbuckers, which most of them were for years? Or would you rather have the P90s in that same Les Paul? Because the route is the same. Mm -hmm. All right. Now, for those, let's just explain what an early 70s Les Paul Deluxe, what are the characteristics of that beyond the pickups? Well, They're pretty heavy. They had a larger head. Les Paul, they're all heavy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, these these were heavier (laughs) than, than the 50s. Um and larger headstock larger headstock they're a three-piece body yep three-piece pan pancake body um the top was a few tell people what a pancake body is it's when they go ahead ahead. no (laughs) no you no really seriously come on it's a uh it's a one layer of uh mahogany with a veneer of maple in between that another layer of mahogany with then the maple cap on top there you go Mm-hmm. Yep, just layers of wood, but and glue in this era <laughs> and glue. And, yeah. But this era um, of this particular model, the the top was cut out for either P ninety or mini humbuckers, but they mostly used uh, the mini humbuckers. And I'm gonna say because of the hum canceling well, feature of those pickups. The the bodies were routed for, for P90s, P90s and yeah. mini humbuckers mounted in a special modified P90 cover Yeah, that uh, and that became, that's what got dropped in. Interestingly, some of the early, 
late 60s, the very first deluxes that came out, actually had what we call goof rings that, that covered up uh, additional routing because some of those bodies actually had humbucker routes that yeah. were wider. So there's a little maybe quarter really? inch. Yeah. If you look That's up. That's why like, we have Tony on the show. You look up a, like a night. I didn't know that. Yeah. Or type in goof ring in, in Google right. and or 1968 Gibson Les Paul Deluxe. And there's a little ring that covers up that extra route that goes around the peanut. I, one of the reasons I know is I, I make them because a lot of people <laughs> sure. want to replicate that look. <laughs> Interesting. Please. I had a 70 with the goof rings and I believe they were just tacked on. With yeah. There's, there's, Pins, just little four pins, pins in the corner. Come on, that's hey, <laughs> real quick, uh, because this just came up on our forum. Can now we mentioned, and it was probably me that made the slip, but we were talking about mini humbuckers because I had just put one in in my uh, jazz caster. Yes thingamabob that I <laughs> well somebody just name, name a thing for me it's, it's called Vinny but whatever um, and I said blah 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 firebird and you know pff, my bad but explain the difference if you will just take a moment and say okay seemingly a lot of people would be like that's the same thing is it not it is not it's structured slightly differently um a firebird pickup there is no pole pieces that pop out of the cover and there are two small magnets that actually fit into the two very small bobbins Mm -hmm. and uh the mini humbucker has a larger magnet and just one magnet and Mm -hmm. um is it's pretty much just like a normal humbucker. You have a set of poles, and then you have a set of uh, one actually one long slug on the other side. Interesting. I believe that was Coach Schneider that uh, mentioned that. I could be wrong. Yeah. Actually, the one I built you, I believe, it is a Firebird pickup. Nice. Yep. I don't know why I said nice. Just because I, uh, <laughs> nice. I like weird things. It's fine. It's, it's cool. Haha! <laughs> look what I have. La 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 la. Okay. Anyways, uh-huh. onward with the Would You Rather. That's right, Tony. Ah, uh, you know. <laughs> I'm, I, I think, and this is just, I mean, it's just personal preference, but I think I'm going to go back to P90s on it. Um, Not bad. The, the mini hums are good, and a lot of people think that the, it's closest in tone to a, a P90 only without the hum in terms of you know, frequency response and that sort of thing. But there's something, I, I don't know what it is. I think P90s have a little more growl to them. Um, they're noisy, you know, but I guess you, you just, that, that's, that's the, the, the byproduct of, of having that type of pickup. But I, you know, and, and, and to me, sometimes it looks a little goofy to have the mini hums on a, on a Les Paul. Uh, it just looks out of place to me. So I'm going back to the P90s. Nice. All right. Uh, Jared, I am gonna go with mini humbuckers, but the hotter mini humbuckers that they were making at that time. Um, the pre, uh, the Firebird and mini humbuckers they were making before that were a lot less hot and they had all Nico magnets. And then actually in the early mid 70s, uh, they used, um, ceramic magnets they were a little more thicker sounding so you get that nice thick humbucker sound Mm -hmm. and the hum cancel and um i had a set like that and they sounded really good so what would you be giving up as opposed to getting just going straight humbuckers in like what's what's the what's the trade-off 
Why would you do that? Humbuckers, to me, sound a little more warm. Okay. Uh, I guess. All right. Yeah. Good enough. At it, like, Plus, the guitar is set up to, to accept P90s. Well, I'm just, you know, asking. Yeah. <laughs> you're looking at the mini hum versus the, the full-size humbucker. You're looking at surface area being True. covered by the magnetic field across yep. the string. It's mm. wider on a normal humbucker. Exactly. So if you're if you're if you're narrowing that, then it's more focused. Mm. Gotcha. Uh Brian, <laughs> what are you doing? I'm full on going mini humbucker, without question. Uh because <clears throat> to quote my good buddy John Bollinger, more is more. So if you can have <laughs> two coils, why would you want to have one? Right um, on. Yeah. Because they sound better. I just I had a '72 gold top with uh, with with mini hums in it, and man, that's like one of the having like had hundreds of guitars. That's one of the like probably top four that got away. Ooh, interesting. So somebody is pretty lucky out there. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. I and oddly enough, I have one Stratocaster that I called the Penance Strat because it was made out of bat, baseball bat ash that now three owners deep have contacted me later to tell me how heavy the guitar is <laughs> and how it's the greatest Stratocaster they've ever had Gee. and why did I get rid of it? Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Oh, man. Well, how I'm about gonna, you, Tom? I'm going to keep this simple. I, hey, I just got a, a mini humbucker or slash a Firebird. I got a Firebird mini humbucker. So there, everybody... There it is. There. I'm going that way. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with those. I I do love a P90, but uh, I would be interested to to see what two of those babies would do in a in a nice big solid body guitar. And to and to support your point, they they both buck the hum, so you can call yes. them both humbuckers. Yes. Sure, sure. All right. Well, that was super fun, and we learned a lot of things. <laughs> Which is always great. I probably learned the most, Woo-hoo. so I win. I learned absolutely <laughs> nothing. Uh, and that's what's important. Yeah. So, uh, Brian, where can people find you? Man, you can find me again, like my, my website, nutterguitars.com. You can find me on Instagram at nutterguitars, Twitter, Facebook, just look for nutterguitars as well. Or you can come down here. I'm in uh, Ashland City, Tennessee, just right outside of Nashville. All right. We'll right be on. there in about five hours. Excellent. See you. <laughs> um, so, up and until Summer Nam, Anyone that calls me or emails me and mentions that they heard about Nutter Guitars on the Guitar Knobs podcast, I will offer 10% off of the uh, of any guitars that I do. Wow. Nice. That is truly generous. Thank you so much for doing that for our listeners. Thank you guys for having me on. This oh, absolutely. So cool. Yeah. Man, that's really it, cool. I, I, I really do appreciate that. I get... It makes me... R- so happy when people do that because, uh, you know, when people listen to the show, we get people to say, oh, I'm glad you finally got this person on. I'm a huge fan of this person or whatever. And you never know what kind of connection you're going to make by simply doing something like that. So I, it, that's, that's a very generous and uh, thoughtful offer. No, thank you. But to see, like Sasha, for example, from Dunnable he and I have a very similar backstory and I got to meet Sasha at, at summer Nam, and we, we are not summer Nam, but at the uh, winter Nam. And he and I sort of like went back and forth and I, we talked about being on guitar knobs huh, and cool. yeah, you guys are what I listen to whenever I'm doing fret work. So yeah, I'm very familiar with hosted today by 
These knobs. Yeah. <laughs> so. That's rad. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, thank you. All right, Tony. Yes. You got some people to hook us up. I do. I do have to thank some people. Okay. And uh, we, we would like to thank people who help sponsor our program. That's right. And it's a, it's a very easy process. You go over to patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs, and there's various levels you can participate in. And so let's just say I, I just switched out my mini humbuckers and I put P90s in my guitar and I've got an extra five spot in my wallet. Mm-hmm. Five spot doesn't buy you much. No. no. But if you did that, you went over to Patreon and pledged to become a patron at the five, ten, twenty, or even higher. You go over there. You get some great prizes. You get some barefoot buttons, some there, stickers, there some picks. There are rewards. I yes. like to call them prizes. I you know. call, them I call them rewards. One of the things when you become an executive producer level, well, you get to have your name right on the thing. In addition to all the great prizes, yes. that you get. Um, so what I'm going to do right now is I'm just going to read, read the names. Yep, do it. These are executive producers. Yep. As of today. Let's go back from oldest and dearest to newest. Okay. That's right. Shall we? Tom Barazin. Oh, man. Martin Cliff. David Wolfson. Matt Brammer. Carlos Mancha. Pete Marshall. Robin Smith. John Daly. Oliver Gonzalez. Sean S. S. Chris Kearney. John Anglin. Robert Marfleet. Darren Gregory, Doug Christ, Michael Van Zant, Brad Partridge, Corey Nigro, Ken Sayers, Jonathan Jerusik, Brian Robison, Michael Senchuk, Michael McVeigh, Rick Lenglou, Stefan Lamb, and our newest executive producer, ding, 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 Mr. Ding, 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 Johnny Knoll. Yeah, Johnny! Right on. Thank you all very much. This, the, when this list gets longer, it gets harder for me to read. And we like it. I know what that means. It means that there are people out there who really believe means in the it. the key's going to still work in the door the to the key. studio. <laughs> and <laughs> the lights turn on when we yeah. flip the switch. That's true. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, Tony, where can people find you? You can go over to pickguardian.com. Uh, you can check out some of the, uh, the, the projects that I've we've talked about here a little bit. I post things on Instagram quite a bit. Yep. Uh, contact me at at, uh, info at pickguardian.com or just go to the website, click the link. Let me know what you need. Yes. Find you on the internet. Great. <laughs> go ahead. How am I going to follow up with that? Jared. Um, if, you, uh, if you're looking for some cool pickups, go to brandonwoundpickups.com. Also, go, you can go find me on Instagram, on Facebook. Go to Brandon Wound Pickup Fans or Brandon Wound Fans. Um, I do some really cool um, videos on there. I don't really post anywhere else. Some new cool nidbits and tidbits of info <laughs> that I don't share anymore, I like me so. some nidbits. Yeah, hit me up, man. <laughs> if you want to find out, go to the group and look. Is that a new Girl Scout cookie can, can they it find you be. on the Can they find you on the internet? Yes. They can. Yes. All right. You can send me a direct message on Instagram at Guitar Knobs. That's where we're at. You can also shoot me an email, Todd at theguitarknobs.com. Ladies and gentlemen, we are so happy that you hung out with us and listened to uh, our friend here, Brian Nutter, talk about his wares. And awesome. we hope that you go check him out and take advantage of that awesome 10%. Excellent. Yeah. Handmade, everything handmade guitar. Go do it. Go get some. Have a great guitar week and subscribe. Yeah. Yeah.
for yeah. Domo arigato, yeah. Mr. Robot. Nope. 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 nope, Tony, nope. Well, that's it for these knobs. Please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs. Visit our website at theguitarknobs.com for all of our past episodes, four on the floor blog, and other good stuff. You can connect with us on social too at our Facebook page and share your gear and stories on our Facebook group. Also, be sure to check out our Instagram at guitar knobs. Catch you next time.